What's up, pals? Thanks for tuning in. This is Super Nerd Pals, episode 82. I'm Stan Gadersky. I'm Andy Karasquillo. And I'm Chris Sampson. How was your week? My week was good. Yeah, uh, a lot of interesting stuff this week. Pokemon Go Plus came out. Fucking new new Resident Evil update I haven't played yet. It's, it's looking good. Finally a purpose for that mannequin finger. Yeah. Finally. My week was extra nerdy on... Wednesday, the second part of the live-action Rowani Kenshin movies came out. So this was Rowani Kenshin, Kyoto Inferno. It was so good, so legit. Again, Rowani Kenshin hasn't aged well. Uh, I actually found out there's a an updated OVA that was released that told like the first and second arcs. But one of the greatest things about Rowani Kenshin, it has like one of the most over-the-top, craziest villains ever. That's Shishio Makoto. Just like a guy wrapped in bandages who can throw fireballs and flame cyclones at, at people with the sword and he's, he wants to take over the world then he dies and then he's like well uh he talks to his associate here's the next best thing we're, we're gonna take over hell and it's like that's 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 literally how his arc ends they're gonna they're they're gonna take on the devil and like take over hell and it's so over the top and amazing the movie did not disappoint it was way too good i cannot recommend watching these li- live action Kenshin movies the last the third one the last one is gonna be airing the first week of October and Funimation's licensing it. So good job, Funimation. You're so pro. Um, I also played some Overwatch for the first time in a really long while. I played Ekinvald, the new map. I love it. Very good, really solid map. And today I went to, for the first time, the Small Press Expo. It's one of the premier American conventions for independent comics and web comics. So I was so overwhelmed. I, I spent way too much money, but there was so much really cool indie comics I picked up. And I also picked up some gifts for you guys. So sometime this week, you two will be getting an awesome care package with some cool swag that I got that for you guys. Awesome. Nice. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, yeah. No problem, you know, because like, we love comics and especially for Stan. Big congrats. You got hired for a paid internship doing Woo! PR, man. Yeah. That's awesome. My my video game and comic book purchases are set for the rest of the year. <laughs> Unless they decide to raise those prices for comics. They better not. I'll, just, I'll stop collecting them. Fuck them. <laughs> they ain't going to get me. They ain't going to get me. Stan, that just means more money for those Dragon Ball Z figures. Yes. Dragon Chat this Friday. Check it out. Plugin. <laughs> Episode 3. We just recorded it. Super awesome. I am level 32 Jedi Guardian. <laughs> I just got to Alderaan. And I am making sure that House Organa remains on the throne in Alderaan. That's what I'm doing right now. My, uh, my Jedi Guardian. The uh, My description ends in two weeks so i'm trying to do as much as i can before then you can play it's free to play so i can still play without except you wouldn't gain the extra experience bonus yeah i don't get the experience bonus i don't get whatever other extra stuff there is you also like lose certain benefits with creating characters because you can only when you create a character you can only choose two races like humans and the zabrak race you know like darth maul his race so I'm going to, like, make a bunch of, like, pre-made characters for each class of, like, the races that I can't, that are going to get, unlo- like, locked when I stop paying so I can still use them. <laughs> so that's my plan. Also, I'm almost done with Fire Emblem Revelation. I'm, like, nice. like four chapters away from finishing it. How many hours? Um, In Fates in general or just Revelation? Just general. Or actually Revelation right now, I'm, like, 32 hours in. 
to the game. Nice. Um, I'm guessing Fates in general. You got like 90 plus hours. Yeah, I got over 100 yeah. all through all campaigns. I don't want to like make any spoilers for the Game of the Year podcast, but this, this is going to be a, a pretty big contender for me. This, this game because it's really good. It's really good. I married off all the, the royal family on both ends. So Nor and Horshido are forever entwined, and they all have they all have the the children of of the houses are all together now. So it's, it's awesome, super cool, nice. But that's what I've been doing. You ushered in a grand new era. You brought peace. Yeah, to the it only kingdom. took me two two full campaigns to get it done, like a hundred hours. Two full plus whatever the fuck you got done now, like. 80%. Yeah. But the the best part about Fire Emblem is that it's never felt like a chore. I just, I've been wanting to keep playing these battles over and over again and progress the story. So. And it's different each time. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm so impressed that they've done three full campaigns with like, certain elements are shared between all three campaigns, but they're different enough. Especially Revelations is like pretty, pretty different because you have both sides coming together. So it's really awesome. Really good game. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, once I finish this, I'm going to go back and get Awakening because I never played that. Either. Revelations is like the true ending. Yeah, it's it's like the canon ending, yeah. but you don't you don't. It's the canon ending, but you don't you won't understand the characters unless you play the their respective paths first. Oh well, yeah, because because they don't spend a lot of time like explaining like who Rioma is in comparison to like Xander. But like having played both, I know I I went into it knowing full well who all the characters are so it was much easier to like have them interact and like do all their relationship stuff so nice that game is awesome and i finished the first arc of jojo yes phantom blood Woo! so good fucking crazy ass anime (laughs) so crazy and i'm only up to episode like 11 i think but i just started the second arc and it's not disappointing battle tendency yeah Joseph Joestar, he's one of my favorite JoJo's ever. He's so he's so. Cool. I won't I won't linger on it because I just started. But the first arc was 1850s London. This is 1940s New York City. The oh, fuck. And the end of the second or first episode of the new arc has the Nazis getting involved with the vampire masks oh, now. Oh, so, so, so they're going to be fighting Nazis. You always have to assume Nazis and vampires are going to be hand-in-hand because Helsing. So now we got we got Nazis in the mix. If you didn't think it was crazy enough, now we're fighting Nazi zombies. <laughs> so, And you have Von Stronheim, which is the craziest Nazi I've ever seen in my life. He's it's great. You really need to watch this. I need to, I need to check this out. You have to watch out. this anime. But yeah, that was my week. Nice. We'll move on to news. News flash. News flash. So the this news is coming in hot, super shiny and chrome because we got two amazing turbo injected high octane pieces of news related to Mad Max Fury Road. First, thank you, Stan. Thank you so much for letting me know early in the week because I was freaking out. Because for those who didn't know, for a long while we got word that. The Black and Chrome Edition, this is the black and white version of Fury Road. Uh, it was supposed to come out, and at the time, before this announcement, it was supposed to come out only in Germany. And I was really sad, but also kind of excited, because I was going, I'm going to Germany in a couple of weeks for a convention. I was like, oh shit, I can get, I can get it in Germany. But now, that's, that's not a concern anymore, because this holiday season, the Mad Max High Octane Collection for DVD and Blu-ray is coming out. And included with that, is the amazing black and chrome edition the entire movie shot in beautiful black and white 
and it's so good. Um, that's not the only feature that this new Blu-ray set has. It has a special introduction by George Miller for the Black and Chrome Edition. Uh, it has a short film called Road War, where it's, I guess, like a semi-documentary piece where George Miller, Terry Hayes, and Mel Gibson, they retell stories of the production of the original Mad Max. Also, you have The Madness of Max, so this is a feature-length Mad Max documentary that was released, like, late 70s? Yeah, like 1979, I'm sorry. So it has tons of interviews, behind-the-scenes photographs, never-seen footage, interviews with George Miller, Brian Kennedy, Mel Gibson, Hugh Keensburn, so he plays Toe Cutter and Immortan Joe in the new movie. Tons of content, so excited. This is gonna be a most amazing Christmas holiday birthday gift, what what have you. I'm excited too because I actually held off on getting Mad so Max Fury Road on Blu-ray because I, I felt like there was gonna be a, like an extra special version that was coming out. And here you go, it's the perfect time. I'm gonna go buy this as soon as it comes out. I, uh, I bought the original three in like this collector's tin. It came with uh, the first three movies. It was like 10 bucks and it looked fucking awesome. So I bought it. And then I was gonna buy Fury Road and I was like, no way for me. But I can't wait to revisit this movie because I actually only saw it the one time Same. For, the, um, for the podcast. And I think this would be a great time to go watch it. Not only the way it was in theaters, but in the black and white edition, which yeah. looks really great. When it first came out, I saw it three times. And then for 4th of July, we watched Independence Day and Fury Road. And it was the greatest 4th of July I've had. So when the, the Blu-ray set comes out, I want to see it in both versions. So it'll, it'll run my clock up to six times. I, I love it. Um, I actually, you know what? Scratch that. I'm going to marathon the, all, and then I'm gonna watch Fury Road twice. That's, it, that's my plan. Uh, but yeah, December 6th. Mark your calendar. December 6th. That's when it comes out. So, second piece of Mad Max news broke uh, earlier this week. So for a long while, uh, there's been lots of rumors. After Fury Road, George Miller did come out and say that he was interested in doing additional moves to follow up Fury Road. One of the movies which, where there was a lot of heavy Furiosa backstory. And sometime later, after Fury Road came out, it was confirmed that Mad Max The Wasteland was supposedly the title of the next movie. The Herald Sun broke this news according to a very reliable source that the untitled prequel for like namesake, they're calling it Mad Max The Wasteland, that could be the actual title. It might be something different, but for now, the next movie is going to be a prequel. It's going to be about Charlize Theron, Furiosa's character and her backstory. The Herald Sun also said that it will be filmed in and around Broken Hill, which is an area in New South Wales, Australia, and shooting could start as soon as later this year. So, holy shit. Praise the V8. This is awesome, because Furiosa is just way too cool, way too awesome, way too impactful, and and I feel like there's so much there's so much left to be said about her story and her character. For me, I'm super excited because I was really disappointed by the Mad Max prequel comics. I forget which episode we talked about it. I can, I'll can i put it in the show notes, but one of my big gripes, especially with the Furiosa tie-in comic, it promised an exploration of her backstory, but they only covered the events one week prior to the movie starting. But I want this Furiosa movie to have her growing up as a child, 
with the badass sniper grenades, the Buvalini. I want to see like extended story arc where it's Furiosa and the Valkyrie. That was her childhood friend that was taken away from her and their friendship. And I want to see Furiosa rise to the ranks as an Imperador and how she became part of the Bortenjo's inner circle and then what's, what drove her to have a change of heart and to help out the Five Wives. And what this prequel means is that we'll actually see a Mortanjo again. Exactly, because Toe Cutter, because Hugh Keen's burn is just such an incredible actor, and we might actually get to see like the the origins of Immortan Joe. I mean, they also covered that in the prequel comics. I don't know how tied they are to it, or if it's even considered canon, or just going to do something completely new. But more Immortan Joe. Oh, it's gonna be so good. Oh yeah. More, just more Mad Max in general. It's gonna be awesome. I just I. I liked Mad Max before Fury Road, but ever since Fury Road came out, just... I've actually never seen a Mad Max movie until Fury Road. Yeah, Fury Road really, And then I like, went back and saw the prequels. Kick Kickstarted it for me, and I really like it. Yeah, for me it was Road Warrior, and then I went back to the original, and then Thunderdome, and I, I love, uh, I, I love it so much. Tangent, or quick tangent, uh, this coming weekend, I'm really, I'm really, really pissed off and sad that I can't go, but the Wasteland Weekend's happening, I mentioned it before, but it's a four-day party in the desert in California where it's all Mad Max-themed. Everyone's dressed up in, like, leather and tire armor. You just party in the desert. Everyone brings their Mac and Maxified cars. They build their own Thunderdome. They play tribal music, and you just party in the desert with a whole bunch of other diesel punk fans. And I need to go next year. That's going to be my goal. That sounds like an awesome goal. How long is it? Is it just, like, one day? Oh, it's four days. It's four straight nonstop days That's of partying in the desert in Mad Max gear. Yeah, just think Burning Man, except it's all Mad Max. That's so amazing. good. So yeah, SMP road trip. Let's, let's do, do it. Let's do it. Let's get this done. Yep. So that's it for Mad Max news. Next up, we got Metal Gear Survive news. So uh anyway, so like during I think it was a Tokyo Game Show. Uh, they released a 15-minute gameplay demo. If it wasn't a Metal Gear game, I would actually be pretty interested in this game. But the fact that you know, it's just Konami spinning in the face of fans and the legacy is just... Uh, it's just It makes me sad. But, I mean, if you're interested... What are I you mean, doing, Konami? What, what, what are you doing? Uh, but if you are interested, it, it's a lot like Left 4 Dead. It's a squad of four players working together in this specific demo... You have to break into a compound, and then you have to defend it against endless hordes of zombie-like creatures. You can use co-op stealth, infiltration, defense tactics, and as well as an array of special equipment and weapons. They specifically show that you can use the Fulton system to strategically use it to your advantage. A character used it to trap a sheep, and the sheep was hanging in the air, and it was making a lot of noise, and they were using the sheep to as bait to draw the zombies away from somewhere. You could also use the Fulton system to transport items and equipment back to your home base. It doesn't do it through chopper, but they use it through wormholes. And it, they can get away with that because the whole reason why Metal Gear survives is a thing because the surviving members of, of Mother Base were sucked up into a wormhole. But yeah, I don't know. I, if, if, again, if, there's, if this was just labeled or marketed as Something completely different from Metal Gear Survive. I think it would be an interesting game, but I I don't think this will do very well. 
connected to that, Kojima was interviewed and he was asking his, his thoughts on Metal Gear Survive and whether or not he was involved. And he responded, quote, that's nothing to do with me. The Metal Gear games are about political fiction and es- espionage. Where do zombies fit in with that? He also then added at the end, if I had worked on that game, it would have mechs in it. <laughs> so there you have it. Kojima had nothing to do with the project. He, he's not, he does not approve of zombies and he wants more mechs in Metal Gear. Which is what the whole point of this fucking thing is. Mechs. Metal Gears, man. Some bullshit. I agree with Kojima. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's Kojima series. Yeah. He's, you know, yeah. he's not wrong. Yeah. I mean, and I, there have been games, Metal Gear games, not made by Kojima that Rising were really, really, really fucking awesome. Revengeance is one of them. Ghost Babble from the Game Boy Color, really good Metal Gear game. Really good Metal Gear Solid game. And wasn't made by Kojima, but it was fucking awesome. You ever play um, Ghost Babble? So fucking good. I have it. One of my favorite games that I own. The Metal Gear Acid games for the PSP. Fucking great games. You ever hear that? Uh, I've played the Acid games. I love the Acid games because they're card games. Really love those games. They should make a new Acid. If they didn't make an Acid 3, I'd be on board. Um, the Portable Ops games were pretty good, too. I've never played Portable Ops. Portable Ops is alright. Um, the PSP games always had the problem of not having the analog stick for yeah. the camera movement, and so it was really cumbersome trying to map. What I ended up doing in, in the first Portable Ops game was um, mapping the camera to the face buttons, the triangle, square, circle, so you move it that way, and it's like, it's kind of okay, but whatever. Anyway, the point is, you could make a dope-ass Metal Gear game without Kojima's involvement. There have been examples of that in the past. Survive, step in the wrong direction. So I don't I don't care about zombies. I feel like they just wanted to rush a Metal Gear game out without Kojima. And they couldn't think, oh, what are we going to put? Uh, f- zombies. They made they took like the most generic, laziest route. It's like, oh, what's great? Call of Duty, Battlefield, le- uh, zombies. Yeah, they, all the kids, they like the zombies mode in the, in the duties, the calls of the duties. Might as well put a Metal Gear in there, too. Why not? All your favorite characters. Nobody. <laughs> and, none, and none of the nuance are, like, incredible, crazy, over-the-top fiction and narratives and stuff. It's just, it's just, it's just very yeah. lazy. There's no moments like, oh, in, in any content of Survive that I've seen that, may, that, fi- that filled me with, like, this feeling of, like, epicness. When you look at like Metal Gear Solid Five, there's like all these scenes of like Big Boss like staring into the sunset with his like eye patch, and and just before we came in here to do this podcast, I was listening to Sins of the Father, which is from the Metal Gear Solid Five original soundtrack. You know what song I'm talking about? It's the one that goes "Whoa, hey!" <laughs> that song, that son of a bitch right there. I mean, we even named an episode after that. Yeah, none of that, none of that style is in Survive. This is. Basically, nothing. Nothing. Don't care about it. I don't want to hear about it anymore, Chris. It is banned from this show until I get Redbox on the phone and I get that game in and I can trash talk it when it comes Rip MGS. Rip Castlevania. Rip Suikoden. Rip everything from Konami. Because they they already did. Rip Yu-Gi-Oh. Rip Yu-Gi-Oh, right, Andy? We talked about this already. Let's move on. I don't want to get angry. This is a positive episode. Happy happy thoughts. Uh, away with you, Metal Gear Survive. We hate you. To the Shadow Realm. Did you know, Andy, that in Yu-Gi-Oh, when they said the Shadow Realm, they actually meant that they were going to kill somebody? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, the Yu-Gi-Oh manga is extremely gritty and bloody. And, and Yu-Gi murdered people. They murder people all the time. I actually remember reading a little bit of Yu-Gi-Oh manga from the Shonen Jump when they used to send out those big ass like tomes yeah. in print, and they did like the Yu-Gi-Oh manga for a bit and one of the chapters had like Yu-Gi-Oh like doing some kind of saw shit with like scorpions in a box and I'm like yeah, yeah, yeah. what the fuck um the first chapter of Yu-Gi-Oh was originally like Yugi just using different games to get around people and stuff so in one of the chapters a little bit of a tangent one of the chapters Yugi is trying to save Taya from this guy who's kidnapping her and he was like let's play a game you roll a die, one die, and then whatever number you get, I have to roll higher than you. Not match. It has to be higher. So the guy was like, all right. So he rolls the die. He rolls a six. He's like, there's no way you can beat a six. Yugi fucking throws the die at this dude's head. The die cracks in half. One side is a six. The other side's a one. Oh, damn. And then Yugi banishes this motherfucker to the shadow realm. Yugi is a stone-faced killer. I love it. Um, Where was that in the American TV show? I'm a cheater. (laughs) How do you roll a seven on a six-sided die? What the fuck? He found a way. God damn it, Yugi. (laughs) That's why he's the king of games. Clearly. So, our first topic. I had a huge comic book haul this week, but I didn't get to read through all of it. So I think that'll be my next week's topic. But I got totally sidetracked because I started reading this fantastic book. The lovely people at Phantom Comics, my local comic book shop in DC, planning to do a a book club next week. Uh, I think it's like Wednesday or Thursday. And this book is the the focus of that. And it's called Kill Six Billion Demons. And it's written by Tom Parkinson Morgan. Uh, his pen name is is Abaddon. So like it's uh, the Abaddon, like the the uh, the biblical figure, like it's either like the angel of destruction or it's also like one of the archbishops of hell. I think uh, one of those two. Anyway, this started out as a web comic. It's a a mix of genres. So it has sci-fi, fantasy religious mythology philosophy so these are all topics and and subjects and themes genres that i love and it's like a crazy fusion of it uh it started in 2013 really interesting i i can't believe i've never heard this before and just as interesting as the story like it's like the backstory like uh, apparently tom parkinson morgan like no one knew his name for like the longest time ever uh he's a very private person uh it will only was until recently when uh this the image comics picked up the, and published the the web comics first arc into a trade paperback that he was always known as abaddon and he's he's the author and illustrator but he's he keeps his identity anonymous as much as possible the only things that people know about him is that he currently lives in japan for work and there's like some running there's like some hidden running jokes and apparently his artwork inspired a league of legends character which is crazy awesome he inspired uh brahm so going back to the comic it's 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 really awesome it's really esoteric it plays a lot with philosophy and religion i'm not religious but i love going through like religious like narratives and lore and the like, history and iconography i think that's super fascinating but like the lore and stuff yeah exactly like if you ever read like the book of revelations that is some super trippy stuff like seven angels open up 
each seal, and there's like a tragedy, and then there's a great war between heaven and hell, and then at the end, like Jesus comes back and like throws everyone into a giant pit of flame, and it's so it's so trippy. The how it's set up, uh, you have um, Allison Ruth. She's a sorority sister. She's just graduated college, and she has a boyfriend. And all of a sudden, demonic or like I guess like extra dimensional beings break into her room and steal steal her boyfriend away. And this one mysterious being, I guess, his head lopped off. But right before he dies, he sticks this magical relic into her her head, and it's called the Key of Kings. And then she's transported to this this world called Throne. And Throne is the center, like the central planet of the multiverse. So uh, there's a 777,777 dimensions or, or universes, but Throne is at the center and she's thrust into this world. She has no idea of like her surroundings and she encounters this angel who realizes what the artifact she has in her head and she's a peacekeeper and the very fact that this girl ends up in throne and the fact that she has this sacred relic means that like the entire sake of the eternal balance of the multiverse is that is in peril so the angel and her have to travel around gets re gets information and eventually they have to uh kill seven black emperors that rule the entire multiverse this is a very very dystopic view of the universe like in this universe god is dead a giant criminal uh, empires and cartels they rule like the entire universe and the balance is only kept because uh these seven premarchs have dominion over the entire multiverse but the fact that allison ha- now has a key like now now everyone's trying to get their hands on allison and it's up to Allison to become this badass supernatural warrior and to kill the seven emperors. I just lo- I love everything about this. It has like a it has like a flavors of like Spirited Away and Constantine and like Justice League Dark and uh, what's it called Hellboy. Uh, there's like just lots of crazy weird monstrous art and it's really well written. I think that one of the strongest things about this book is its incredible world building. It's incredibly dense, and I'm really impressed with how Tom managed to compact so much lore in so few words and with imagery. And st- because of the world building, it, it spans like the guilds, the gods, the religion, uh, like sacred scriptures and the power structures and the intergalactic, interdimensional politics. And it's just. Very dense, but really well written, and I'm really sucked in. This is an incredible book. Um, I'm, I haven't finished it yet. I'm like three quarters of the way through. This is only the first arc. Uh, this has been going on since two, 2013. I'm not exactly sure how many issues they're in, so I'm, I'm going to quickly look this up. Um, apparently, they're in their sixth chapter, the sixth arc. From what I read online, the creator, he updates maybe like 10 pages a mo- in a month. He's also known to like sporadically dip out and not update anything for like a couple of weeks, a couple of months to come back in. So I'm guessing if I'm correct, there's six arcs and this is only the first one, but Image Comics, well played for publishing this incredible book 
just incredible art, incredible lore. Like the creature, the character designs, it's just the creature designs are out of this world, literally. And Allison seems to be like right now, it's like the hero's journey. She's out of her element, but I have predictions she's gonna be a super badass warrior and her angel. Co- a companion, super badass. She does like this crazy, uh, like a mix of like Hindu and Buddhist iconography. And she does like this empty palm martial art that like blows people up. Journey to the West, one of the Stephen Chow's uh, movies. Or, uh, or not what I'm talking about, Kung Fu Hustle, the, the Buddhist palm uh, martial art move. I cannot recommend this book enough. So check it out. It's called Six Billion Demons. Grab the trade. It's already out. It's by Tom Parkinson Morgan. Or you could also go to 6billiondemons.com and read the entirety of the webcomic that's been published so far. Sounds awesome. Definitely. I might check that shit out. Hell yeah. Oh, uh, I'm going to be, I'll, I'll definitely be finished with it this week. So uh, I can, when I come up to New York Comic Con and we meet up, uh, I can let you borrow it. Oh, sounds good. Nice. Very cool. So let's hop into comic book pools. Andy, what are you reading? So this week... Looks like the only thing that I, I read is coming out would be uh, Nightwing issue five. Are you keeping up on Nightwing? Like, have you read? I that? am. Yeah. So what's, um, going, what's going on with Nightwing? Up to date to what's Nightwing? he up to? What's that dig up to? He's just trying to take out the head of the Court of Owls. Mm. In the most recent issue, he had this guy. I I forget his name. It's slipping my mind. He was partnered with this guy from the Court of Owls, and this guy pretty much gained Dick Grayson's trust. Towards the end of this issue, he was talking to Bruce and he was like, Bruce was like, he's a criminal. You should have brought him in regardless. And Dick tried telling him like, you partnered with criminals in the past. And Bruce was like, yeah, but I've never trusted them. And I took them down right after. And it seems like Dick is going to regret not listening to Bruce's way because mm-hmm. it turns out that this guy is actually playing Dick. What his... His scheme, what he's trying to get away with, is unknown right now. But they did reveal that he just gained Dick's trust so that he can, like, fuck him over. You gotta you gotta be real careful when you play with Dick. Oh, yeah. Because uh, you, never, you never know what might happen. You never know what's gonna happen. You gotta be gentle. <laughs> um, I'm picking up Superman 7 and All New Wolverine number 12. Um, the Superman arc just concluded the Eradicator stuff. It ended with Superman presenting Jonathan to the Justice League and basically proclaiming him as the new Superboy. So Jonathan is pretty much Superboy at this point, which nice. is awesome. Uh, Superman 7 is a between-the-issue arc. It's going to be Superman reflecting on what just happened with the Eradicator and also what just happened with Doomsday in Action Comics. So it's going to be like kind of a cap to both of those arcs, and then we're going to move forward. So I'm, I'm not sure what the next arc of Superman is going to be about, but the first six issues were super great. So I, I'm fo- I'm following this. I'm keeping up with what's going on with action comics, but I'm buying the Superman books because I think they're just more Better. more entertaining to read. Um, eventually, I'll pick up Superman um, action comics again once it starts picking up because I wanna I wanna jump in just before a thousand so I can have like the lead up to issue a thousand because I think it'll be pretty awesome. Old Wolverine is still doing the Civil War bullshit, Civil War 2 stuff, but the next arc is going to be Enemy of the State 2, and I'm guessing that's going to deal with the fallout of Civil War 2, so maybe Laura becomes a fugitive from the law or something because of whatever happens during Civil War 2, and so I'm okay with suffering through this to get to that shit because that shit sounds real good. Yeah. So, nice. that's what we're up to. Those are my nice. goals. Very cool. 
my my list is also pretty short. Batman number seven uh, is coming back. So the first arc uh, with Gotham, Gotham Girl, that wrapped up after uh, issue six. Batman number seven. This is the first part of the Night of the Monster Men arc. It's actually the first crossover in the DC Rebirth. So it has Batman. Nightwing and Batwoman. So this would be like a technically a crossover between the Batman title and Detective Comics. Uh, this is a really cool. This sounds like a really awesome issue. Uh, Tom King is writing it again. David Finch is not on this comic, which I'm sad about because David Finch, I I love his art, but Steve Orlando's replacing him on the art. And the premise sounds really insane. It's basically Batman, Batwoman, Nightwing fighting Kaiju. The Monster Men were teased in the last arc, and I, I guess this issue is going balls to the wall right at the beginning because in the description it says, quote, Nothing can prepare them for enormous tall monsters rampaging through the streets. Batman will need all of his allies to unite in order to stop these mad science monsters from, from tearing their city apart. So I think what happened, Hugo Strange did some weird science shit, created some kaiju, and now the, the Bat family has to destroy them. Hugo Strange is always doing some weird science shit. He really is. I mean, he was a he was a huge, huge villain in the first arc, and he got away. And they were they were teasing the monster men all throughout the first arc. So now now they're apparently other kaiju, which is great. I love it. <laughs> Uh, and the other title I'm looking forward to is uh, Raven number one. It's set in between Teen Titans 24 and Titans Rebirth number one. I've actually never read uh, a lot of the Teen Titans comics except for like the Judas Contract, but I never like the entire cartoon in full. And I, I I love Raven. She's one of my favorite Titans. So she's getting her own ongoing, and it's basically Raven going to high school and. A bunch of her classmates go goes missing, so she has to become a detective and try to figure stuff out. So I really like Raven, and I, it's just out of pure curiosity. I don't I don't know anything about the art artist or the author, but just try it out. Nice. And those are my pulls for the week. So onward to my topic. I'm going to be talking about the Pokemon Go Plus. Hell so yeah, that released this Saturday. Uh, Friday, Friday. So, uh, the Pokemon Go Plus released Friday, um, if you weren't lucky enough to get it for the $34.99 retail price. I think Amazon actually has them back up, or you could pay the juiced prices of, like, fucking 100 plus. I don't know who the fuck would want to do that, but whatever. It's, it's definitely something. I don't seem to really have an issue with it. I see a lot of people, like, complaining about it. Pretty much you connect it to your phone. You have to have the app running in the background. doesn't necessarily have to be open, mm-hmm. but just, just running in the background. The things you can do with it that it was originally stated, you can hit Pokestops and collect Pokemon that you've already caught. However, since it actually came out, it's been revealed that you can actually collect Pokemon that you haven't caught before. You can catch Pokemon from Pokemon lore modules. It wasn't supposed to, but it actually does track egg distance, so you don't have to have your game running all the time so that you can hatch eggs. And with the buddy system, it also gives you kilometers for the buddies Mm -hmm. to collect their candies. I noticed that it's like blinking different colors. What do those colors do? So when it blinks red and vibrates, which it's been doing for the past like hour, it means uh, my game has actually lost signal due to my Wi-Fi 
or 3G issues, 4G issues. See, on the way here, it kept blinking red and we couldn't figure it out. And I thought maybe the reason why that was happening is because there are versions of you and the other realities that are dying and every time one of them dies it blinks red one just died and <laughs> so so every time another andy dies the pokemon go blinks red i mean it could be it could be we don't know it's, guess be, we'll find out when we go to other dimensions it'd be called the pokemon don't stop <laughs> um so as stan said it does light up and vibrate different uh, it, it vibrates and then lights up different colors. So I'm going to explain all of the different colors and what they mean. Cool. So like I said, it vibrates red and blinks once when um, your game has lost connection. It means that your Pokemon Go Plus is still essentially co connected to your phone. However, your game has lost connection to the internet. Mm. So it will vibrate multiple times and blink red rapidly when your go plus disconnects from your phone there's also blue blue vibrating means that there's a pokestop near you that's uncollected you click the button and it will collect that pokestop if you have enough room in your bag your pokemon go plus will light up what they're calling rainbow colors it's just like red blue green yellow mm. it means that you successfully con collected the items from the Pokestop. If it blinks once white, it means you don't have enough space in your bag. However, you did get the 50 experience. If your Pokemon Go Plus vibrates and lights up green, that means that there's a nearby Pokemon. When you click it, it will vibrate up to three times white. If the last time is rainbow color, that means that you caught it. If the last time is red, that means that the Pokemon did not get caught and ran away if you successfully caught the pokemon if your pokemon go plus lights up yellow it means that it was a pokemon that wasn't caught before and is registering into your pokedex i currently have 130 pokemon in my pokedex so it's really hard for me to come across the pokemon that i haven't caught already mm -hmm. so i haven't experienced that yet yeah, that's that's pretty much all the colors. So you think it's worth the the cost? I think it's definitely worth the cost, especially if you're an avid Pokemon Go player and you're trying to trying to play the game while you're at work without checking you know, your phone. Yeah, without yeah. checking your phone. Um, this allowed me to pretty much hatch two eggs while you're working within a day of me working. Yeah, which I wasn't able to do before. Yeah. Um, the last time I hatched an egg was like a month and a half ago. So, it's definitely worth it if you're trying to keep up with Pokemon Go and, you know, have a tight work-life schedule. It also probably, like, drains your battery on your phone less, right? Uh, significantly yeah. less. People would think having the app open in background plus Bluetooth connected, like, it means something. It does not mean shit. I have successfully went through a full work day without my phone dying, which I haven't done in months. Okay, so well, that's good. Good stuff. I definitely need this because I'm horrible at like bringing out my phone. I, I go on the train and I forget to bring it out, and like just and also I'm just super busy. This would be really useful going to conventions, going around the country, and just like not having to worry about opening my phone, but still collecting like rare ass Pokemon from all over the country. 
And that's another thing with uh, the Pokemon Go Plus. It'll still track your distance based on how far you go, not not speed or any of that shit. Mm. So Nice. Are the pluses still available, or have you seen them sold out everywhere? Like I, I heard like there's like shortages. I believe a lot. the pluses are still available on Amazon. I'm gonna double check that right now. Yeah, no, Pokemon Go pluses are not available on Amazon. That was a lie. <laughs> oh, they'll restock. You know they're gonna. However, restock. yeah, of course, Niantic's not gonna yeah. let that die quickly. Um, I'm sure they'll get a nice, a nice juicy stock right before the holidays. Oh, of course. And it comes in this little little box. Um, I described it when I first saw it as something you would see in like one of those Asian gift shops in the window. Mm. And my friend was like, this is some type of shit that you would walk by and like see in the window faded from the sun that you just pick up on a whim. That's exactly what it looks like. One of those corner store bootlegs. Yeah. Yeah. So, especially, like, if they update it in the future to have, like, Gen 2 Pokemon and, like, all that stuff, it's going to have a lot yeah. of, you'll get a lot of use out of it. I mean, there were a lot of bugs with this thing day one. However, Niantic saw that and fixed all the issues. Well, I'm not going to say all. A majority of the issues the same day this released with an update. Cool. Nice. Uh, remember when, um, I think it was a couple of months ago, people on Etsy were selling, like, custom skins for well, Pokemon Go Plus based on your team, so Team Valor, Mystic, or Instinct. Would you be interested in getting one of those, and do you think Nintendo or Niantic would ever make their own official Pokemon Go team variants on the Pokemon Go Plus, or, like, a special case? I would 100% get one of those. Team Instinct all day, so. But, um... <laughs> Team Valor, what up? Damn, you and Stan are both Valor. That's right. Shit. But, um... <laughs> there is one on Amazon pre-order uh, for skin for the Pokemon Go Plus. Currently unavailable, but it looks pretty cool. It's like a shiny... Like a, a shiny color of your team with the symbol, which mm. is really dope. Who's your current buddy Pokemon? My current buddy Pokemon is Dratini, because I need a Dragonite. Have you set one, Chris? Is it Ghastly? It's Ghastly. I, I, it has to Say be no Ghastly. More. Yo, I, I don't know if I mentioned <laughs> this. I was um, I was at Gen Con. It was in the evening, and I, I was waiting to meet up with uh, my, my co-workers. I found a Haunter. I was like, holy shit, Haunter! I threw 30 Pokeballs at it. Each one missed, and then it ran away. I was crying so hard because it took me forever forever to find a haunter and it just ran away and i'm so sad i actually caught a haunter in manhattan nah. at starbucks and um and then i caught a gengar later that same uh. week by my house i still haven't caught a single ghastly haunter gengar i only have the one ev just the one ev oh jeez. Um, yeah my current is Pikachu. My Pikachu named Thor. That's my buddy. Um, I really, I really want a Raichu, just because Raichu is one of my favorites. So. Well, my next uh, after this is definitely going to be Squirtle, because I have all of the starters except for Blastoise. Mm. So let's see. The only Pokemon I'm missing are like Blastoise, Nine Tails, Arcanine, Alakazam, Machamp. 
Golem, Muck. These are for Pokemon that can evolve. And that's it. And Dragonite. And the the Legendaries. Then it would be the Legendaries. And Mr. Mime. Farfetch, Mr. Mime. Kangaskhan. Ditto. And that would be the completion of my decks. Mm. Well, thanks for your review on the on the Go Plus. <coughs> Yo, I haven't. Chris is dying uh, over there. I haven't quite gotten over the Pax Plague. <coughs> Chris, Chris spent too much time in the chokey. He's starting to choke outside of it. Yo, it's like the end of Stranger Things where <laughs> I, I spent too much time the upside down, and the chokey's a portal, and now I'm, I'm right, coughing like, up slugs. Yeah, <laughs> coughing up slugs into the sink. God. <laughs> All right, you want to end on the special topic for the week? Let's do it. Oh, yeah. All right, so because I've been watching a lot of JoJo and I've been enjoying the intros and the outros of this thing, I decided to come up with this um, little game that we could play and basically turn your life into an anime, um, decide what genre of anime it would be, and pick an intro and outro that would be apt for the kind of life that you think you're living, basically. Basically, turn yourself... Anime is real. What is your anime? Alright. So, uh... Andy the anime would be, uh... Like a slice-of-life comedy. (laughs) Just because a majority of the shit that I go through at work is extremely laughable. (laughs) As far as an intro, I was thinking more of, like, a Rise Against type song from, like, the Appeal to Reason album. Uh, I'm not sure which song because it's really hard to figure out. Um, I, I was thinking something like, uh, The Dirt Whispered or, uh, Re-Education. outro would be a childish Gambino song which no one would expect but um it would be the party by childish Gambino because by the end of the song he's telling people to get the fuck out of his house and uh that's pretty much what my day is like he's like I just want to fucking go home and be left alone just fuck people done all my friends will be there Sounds good. That'd be my my life. Stan. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm thinking something like slice of the life sh- slash shonen. Um, because I'm gonna right now I, I would describe my life in this moment as a constant attempt to improve and better myself because I'm trying to get my career going. I just finished school. Um, so my intro song for my anime is Intergalactic by yes. BC Boys from Hello Nasty. Intergalactic, <laughs> <laughs> 
has references to science fiction. Uh, it talks about how it's a song about how good the BC Boys are, and so by by extension, to be how good that I think I am, <laughs> even though even though not necessarily true to life, but yeah. And then there is a specific line in here that says, "I like my sugar with coffee and cream." Which is exactly how I like my coffee. I usually drink it without um, sugar, but if I want to get if I want to get a little dirty, nasty in the morning, I'll add some sugar to my coffee. But how do you drink sugar without uh, coffee without? Sugar? I do I do a cup of regular with a little bit of skim milk, and that's how I take my coffee in the morning. Usually, I cannot. <laughs> If you've been drinking coffee as long as I've been drinking, you can eventually you get the taste for it. And I, I like the, the little bit of the bitterness offset by the skim milk. But if I want to get really dirty nasty, it'll it'll be like one of those like creamers, the like the French vanilla creamers you get from the supermarket. You know what I'm saying? Because I like it. I like it that way too. I'm not one of these coffee snobs that only need that only needs the fucking blackest purest like beans in their like French press machine. You know? uh, like, I'm, I'm good. A, I'm, I'm good on any time. I'm a typical New Yorker. I need that shit light and sweet. Yeah, I know. Like the bodega coffee, right? Yeah. The light and sweet. I know what you're talking about. I take it all ways. I don't care. I'll, I can take it. The only way I don't really like it yet is like pure black. Unless it's cold brew, I can drink cold brew, cold brew black, but I need it like regular. Well, the other thing is with like a hot brew black. Uh-huh. This just turned into a coffee, apparently. <laughs> with, the, with the hot brew black coffee, the only problem I can see with that is, like, I would burn my tongue. Yeah. And you I, have would to, not, you have to wait I would not like that. But you know what you do? You drop a nice cube in there. Just one. Usually cools it down enough. Coffee tricks. Um, okay. My, <laughs> so, my outro is gonna be Aerosmith's I Don't Wanna Miss a Thing yes. from the Armageddon soundtrack. <laughs> And, you know, I don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to go to sleep because I would miss you, babe. And I don't want to miss a thing. That kind of thing. And it harkens back to the outro for Dragon Ball. The, what, what the hell is that thing called? Um, Romanticu Ageru Yo, is, which is, I, I'll give you romance. Is the <laughs> outro to Dragon, the original Dragon Ball, which talks about romance and adventure and Armageddon, the movie. If you know that movie, it's romance and adventure, <laughs> <laughs> which is my life right now. So that's my anime intro and outro and theme. What about you, Chris? So Chris, the anime, it's going to be an eclectic mix of like, um, you know how in like the, the cartoon Doug, where it's like really lighthearted, but he has like super serious, intense, surrealistic, like daydreams and imaginations. Yeah. So think of it like that, where like my everyday life is like slice of life, uh, with a mix of show of shonen, because like like you stand, um, I'm in a point in my life where I went through a very big transition not too long ago. Like I started a brand new job, I want to get really good at it, and I really I actually feel like I'm getting closer to my goal. I'm training and becoming stronger, and like all these ways. So very shonen like, but then I have like the fact that. Like, I don't sleep. <laughs> I ha- I'm always sleep deprived. And I have, like, this really weird, like, esoteric imagination. Like, so my daydreams 
are like more dark and like seinen and like horror <laughs> and supernatural because I really like a lot of people like if, when they don't when they first meet me that they they see like I'm like the happiest kid alive and then they get really surprised like remember last week I was talking about how I was killing everyone in Shadowhunters um yes. and my my friend Sam he's like Chris I love you but you legitimately scare me with your tactics so like yeah excellent that's that's what I live for and I love I love like horror movies I love like darkness and demons and like all this weird stuff so uh, I think that kind of like the seinen genre fits that uh part of my personality really well um so it would be like slice of life do my job but then when it's my downtime or when it's like you know when i'm daydreaming or just like staying off the space it's gonna be like weird zombies and like supernatural crazy demon stuff so to personify all this latent epic things that go into my brain um, I have to bring it back to like Mad Max and like Battle Royale, the cla- the or- the classical or- orchestral song Daisy Ray. That's the music they used uh, in the trailers for Battle Royale, and it was also used in Fury Road when the Bullet Farmer was going on a rampage. It's a, a crazy epic score, Gregorian chant-like lyrics, and it's so it gets me amped all the time. So that's that's my my opening music. It just like gets me amped, it gets me charged up, gets me ready to take on the world. And my closing music is California Love by Tupac. Because one, the music video is, a, is a, a, entirely an homage to Mad Max Thunderdome, and it's amazing, and it's so good, but I often feel like I'm like a, a West Coast guy born on the East Coast, because I'm when I'm not like like bouncing off the walls, people describe me as a really chillax, and really laid back, and I have a really go- easygoing attitude, and I love going to the beach, I love surfing, I, I hate the cold. And I really wish I could live on the West Coast. So I feel like I embody a lot of this, the California West Coast, like persona and like values. And and that one chorus in the line, California knows how to party. That's me. I love to party. I love to have a good time. I, I like to be the type of person that hypes other people up and make sure they have a good time. I mean, so, you were just talking about and it, being at a four-day desert party. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And with California Love, like how it makes me feel, it makes me feel like so happy, and that's that's uh, that's something that I wish to live by and a, a state of being that I want to spread to other people. And when you listen to California Love, you can't not like smile and like bob your head and dance. So that's my, my that's my closing. I think a close second opening, now that Chris has opened my eyes, would definitely be Guitar Guy's riff from uh, Fury Road. Yes. Just like the, the, yeah. Those those can be your, like, um, your mid-episode eye catches. Oh, yeah. Yeah, your interlude, your your credit, your, your, like, your mid-episode. That's perfect. I had an honorable mention. I really want to have DMX. X is gonna give it to oh you. Oh my god! As like a, as, as like a, like, I don't. Know, but I don't think that could fit anywhere because I'm not hardcore like DMX. Yeah. Jeez. Do you have an honorable mention, Stan? 
Or Andy? Mm, I was going to go with um, Lady Gaga's poker face. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of surprised your intro or outro didn't involve Lady Gaga. I didn't want to go with the obvious ones. Plus, I, I it's... For those of you who don't know, Stan is a huge fucking Lady Gaga fan. I, I, I love a lot of her music, but it's hard to shoot, pinpoint just one specific one for... His favorite album is Art Pop. No. Oh, God. No. 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 <laughs> Stan, Stan, can we please start a Lady Gaga podcast and just just have turn on the mic for an hour and give you a critical analysis uh, of it? Because I, I'm really interested. Uh, no, <laughs> no, no. Well, I was not ready for that. Um, okay, we'll make it a Patreon bonus, <laughs> exclusive content. The oft promised but never realized Lady Gaga special. Yeah, we'll do maybe one day. Fifty dollars here. There you go. Oh, because you can't you can't read my poker face, and I, I it's true. like I don't know. I kind of have resting bitch face a little bit, where I live in through life, and I got like this like sour look on my face, even though I in in my soul I might feel happy. People like always comment that I'm like not smiling enough, <laughs> even though like whatever. So I never smile in pictures. I I'm trying. I'm I'm really trying. It's not it's not easy. I can't. Braces ruined that for me. Mm. R.I.P. Andy Smile. Lost your smile. I I hate my smile. I I mean I had like braces and I had like jaw expanders and I had like all this crazy mouth gear. Well, let's finish this episode <laughs> before we get sad. Um, <laughs> thanks, pals, for listening. This was episode eighty-two of Super Nerd Pals. I'm Stan Gudurski, and you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Stan Doom. I'm Andy Carascola. You can find me on Twitter at Sweet Justice One. And I'm Chris Sampson. You can find me on Twitter at Kyo Ninja for Hire. That's K-Y-O Ninja for Hire. And you can find Super Nerd Pals on Twitter at Super Nerd Pals. You can also find Super Nerd Pals on the internet by Googling us because we're there. We're also on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. If you're listening to us, you're probably listening to us on one of those things. So good job. Subscribe to us. And rate us, review us, tell your friends. Um, giving us reviews and rating us helps people find us easier on those aforementioned stores. So if you give us five stars, people will find us easier on iTunes, for example. So please do that. We want lots of fun listeners like yourself. And thank you for listening. Uh, I'd like to throw out some plugs. First and foremost, our, our buddy Andy right here, he has his own YouTube channel. It's, uh, it's called Tuna Gaming. That's one word. That's capital T tuna at capital G gaming. Uh, he's been doing a lot of great work. He's been doing uh, a let's play series with uh, resident evil four with his buddies. They also got some super smash bros and some Pokemon stuff on there. So uh, Andy, how's that? How's that series going? It's going extremely interesting. I think at the moment in my let's play, we're like, we're just acquiring Ashley for resident evil four. And, uh, this is my first time I'm gonna hundred like hundred percent beat this fucking game for the first time. Excellent. By any chance, are you gonna do like a let's play of the Res Evil demo, especially because it's updated uh, now? I should. I should do a blind demo let's play here. Well, we might be in on that. Get the camera like all nice nice and dark and spooky and volume on max and get some oh, jump scares great. going, it'd be great. We should all do that. That'd be awesome. Do it? Alright. Uh, two, uh, two more shout outs. Uh, I met some really cool people at PAX. Uh, they're also content creators like us and we're really big supporters of 
uh, supporting fellow creators like that. So first we had um, Cassidy, my friend Cassidy. Uh, she's starring in a horror film being Kickstarter funded. Actually, it already reached its goal, $3,000. They're trying to do a stre- stretch goal of 5000 She's one of the lead roles. The horror movie is called The Restraining Order. Uh, look that up. Uh, on Facebook or on Kickstarter. Check out the trailer. It looks really cool. I'm really proud of Cassidy. Uh, I think that's her first ever acting role. And she's really talented. So I'm really happy for her. My other friend, Erica, does League of Legends cosplay. She's done Twitch live streams of several games, such as League of Legends, World of Warcraft. And she's really excited to start her new series based on Valhalla. That's a fantastic Steam game. It's also coming to PlayStation 4 and Vita sometime soon. It's described as a waifu bartender cyberpunk simulator game. It's amazing. Got rave reviews, so check it out. And definitely check Erica out when she starts streaming that that game. You can find her at LifeForger or uh, Kyo Cosplay. That's K-I-O Cosplay. And you can find her on twitch.tv slash lifeforger. Cassidy, Erica, you got, you're doing great work. And Andy, our pride and joy, bringing the, the love and the heat on Resident Evil. And uh, we, we promised you here, so we're going to do some Resident Evil 7 gameplay for you guys. This is going to be awesome. Hell yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening. Thanks for listening. Peace out, Cub Scout.